0: Hello,
1: and welcome to
0: Married Married Muggles, Muggles, the podcast where we, as a married couple, read the Harry Potter books together.
1: My name's Aaron, and I've never read the books before.
0: And my name is Elise, and I have read them multiple times.
1: Join us on our reading journey by listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you like to listen to podcasts. Please do us a huge favor, rate, review, and subscribe.
0: Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Married Muggles, or send us an email at marriedmugglespodcast at gmail.com.
1: If you send us a question, comment, or unknown spell via email or social media, use the owl emoji at the beginning to let us know you're sending an owl.
0: Thanks so much for listening,
1: and enjoy this episode of Married Muggles. Hey. Good morning.
0: Still technically morning.
1: Yes, so, uh, hello everybody, all you bungles.
0: And Mugwumps.
1: And Mugwumps. We have concluded the first book, (gasps) as well as watching the first
0: movie. (gasps) So exciting.
1: Yes, today, again, it's Sunday, August 2nd. Um, It took three attempts to finish the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Somebody, who shall remain nameless, may have kept getting lost, deeply lost in thought.
0: Uh, Aaron. (laughs) By deeply lost in thought, he means lost behind his closed eyelids sleeping
1: yes choosing to watch the movie at 10 o'clock at night two nights in a row was a bad idea but we made it finishing it this morning with our yes. with lydia by our sides she didn't get it but nope she didn't get it but she liked the dog <laughs> yes she did and the, the birds
0: <laughs> yeah she kept whenever hedwig came on she's like owl
1: <laughs> so very cute but we did finish the book
0: and the movie now
1: mm-hmm so also
0: lydia did not join us for watching it at 10 o'clock at night (laughs) no (laughs) just a heads up no
1: just this morning (laughs) just this
0: morning because we we watched it friday night we tried to watch it friday night aaron fell asleep we tried to watch it saturday night aaron fell asleep so this morning we were like we have to finish it so we can record this episode so we watched the second half with lydia
1: so here we are thank you everybody who's listened up until this point yeah I think how we're just going to kind of go about this. We're still not sure yet, but this may be split into two parts. So we'll just start with kind of general thoughts and feelings after reading the book and then watching the movie. Mm-hmm. So How did you feel? Well, clearly he fell asleep, so... <laughs> sure, it's not maybe the most riveting movie and after you read the books there's also no surprises right so well no i won't say there's no surprises there are some surprises in the ways the movie's different some of the key things that stood out to me was i felt like the acting in the movie was almost like watching a play just the kind of exaggerations and caricatures of the the characters in yeah. the movie, rather than people kind of acting like people, if that makes any sense. And I don't know if that's just because, you know, how much can you develop that many people's character in a teen, eighteen? What, what would you call it? Young adult book. Preteen, yeah. Preteen young adult book. But th- but that's fine. That's just you know how it's made, and it's perfectly okay. At least and I were actually just talking this morning over coffee about you know it was interesting what things were left out. Also, what things were added in the movie mm-hmm. and why they How they, they were,
0: changed them.
1: How they changed them or maybe changed the storyline just a little. And just kind of trying to figure out why artistic liberties were. Artistic liberties or what's it called? There's a word for that.
0: Yeah, I think artistic liberties were taken. I mean, it's also like, I think to, something I've always kept in mind is that it's a movie and not the book. So it's. I, I think of the movie kind of more as an interpretation of the book i know that jk rowling the author had a hand in the movies but again like it's it's the movie is not her creation the book was her creation right so i always kind of try to keep that in mind where a movie is just someone's interpretation of the story yeah.
1: what i would be curious about is do you remember who the director is for the first movie we were just talking Christ- about
0: christopher columbus
1: oh yeah, yeah it's pretty easy one yeah yeah Do we know of any other movies that he did before this one?
0: I don't personally, because I'm not very good with directors necessarily and what they've done and haven't done, so I'm not sure what else he has done.
1: Sure. So I'd I'd be curious to see, like, is the movie more of a reflection of his directing style, or is it more of a reflection of, you know, how the first book was written? I don't know. So maybe we'll do some research on that.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's interesting, because there were definitely some differences between the book and the movie which is funny because the this movie is probably the closest to the book of right. all the movies
1: well and again it's also the shortest book right so it's easier the shortest
0: to, i think it's the shortest movie
1: gotcha so you know it's easier to fit all the short book into a movie right so those were the initial thoughts again even some of like the not that i'm an expert but the filmography seemed like a little rudimentary yeah, Again, like I was talking clunky. about. <laughs> yeah, like the example that I was talking to Elise about was something surprising happens. And instead of Harry being surprised at the same time, the camera changes to Harry's face and he gets surprised after. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: right. So, yeah, it's like we're not watching. It's not like they pan to him. I mean, they they do pan to him, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's almost like they're going back in time for a second to get his reaction, then come bring you back to the moment.
1: So, you know, it's just and I think that in combination with young actors kind of making their debut. Right. Um,
0: well, I think that Tom Felton who does Draco Malfoy, I think he had been in a few things before that. And I think dan radcliffe had been in he was in charles dickens film or something like that with maggie smith but like emma watson i don't think really had any acting like a a lot of the the children in the movie didn't have i mean and obviously too because they're like 10 11 years old so they don't have that much sure acting experience and they're the ones kind of that you're seeing the whole time so
1: yeah so you know those things were noticeable and, and again like the layers of the type of filming and again I've, i wonder why they chose to do that like you said they would have one thing happen and then the camera would switch to the face rather than kind of having them at the same time and maybe that's just kind of a a way to get around mm-hmm. amateur actors i don't really know it just kind of slows down the pace a little bit right and maybe when you're younger you can tolerate it and everything. Oh,
0: 100%. Because, again, when I was when I first saw this movie, I thought it was, like, the most amazing movie I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, yeah. And the, old, the older I've gotten, the more it's just, like, Well, also, know.
1: when you saw it, too, that was kind of when CGI was starting to become Yeah. commonplace. And something else we noticed, we're, we're watching this movie uh, on an HDI TV. H, HDI?
0: I have no idea. Oh, so so we're at my parents' house right now. Because um, my parents are uh, helping my brother move into his grad school, and so we're we watching it on my parents' big TV, and
1: yeah, H it's, it's an HDTV, so yeah. even when you're watching, you know, non Blu-ray DVDs or whatever, it still changes it and kind of enhances it, but right. So, yeah, those are kind of the basic thoughts, I guess. And it's funny, you know, this whole time I've been wishing that I could have read the books before watching the movie. But after watching the movie, I was like, well, I kind of wish I could go back and watch the movie without having had ever watched the movie or read the books. Right. To kind of be like, okay, I wonder how much I actually would have gotten out of the movie, how much of the storyline I would have understood, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Right. But... All in all, it was kind of what I remembered, more or less what I expected. I hate to say it like this way, but I'm kind of glad the first movie and book are done, and I'm excited to move on to the second book and the second movie. Yeah, so that's where we are. Also, we meant to watch the movie twice, once just to watch it and kind of experience it, and then again to kind of take notes. But again, we had to change that plan since I kept falling asleep. Yep. But at least took a buttload of notes.
0: I took some. How about notes. a hat,
1: hat load of notes?
0: I took I took a cloak load. I took a dragon's egg full a of dragon.
1: notes. Dragon's eggs aren't. Shh!
0: Just Damn. let it happen. <laughs> no, so I I took like two and a half pages of notes. And usually, I, maybe I should start like posting a picture of my notes on Instagram, just so that you guys can, if, if you're interested to see my notes, I usually take almost two pages worth of notes. I'm just looking, I'm kind of looking back through the episodes, except for our third episode, which was chapters seven through nine. Apparently I didn't have as much to go off of with that, but so typically I take almost two pages of notes. And with this, I took two and a half. So typically cool.
1: I take about five or six lines of notes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> When it comes to notes, I definitely channel Hermione and you are more like Harry, I think. Because Ron just wouldn't do it.
1: (laughs) I kind of wish, it's funny you mentioned that comment, I kind of wish there was a little more perspective of um, Draco. Because you really don't get to see, and, and Hufflepuff. Well, and Ravenclaw. All of them. I kind of <laughs> wish I knew it more of what it was like being in the other houses, but you only get Gryffindor. Yeah. But uh, and, and you also mentioned Draco Malfoy, the actor. I would agree that he's noticeably uh, a little more of a, what do i say, colorful actor. He's got a little more dimension to him. More polish. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, he's also, I think, two like, a couple years older than the other kids. Oh, really? Yeah, so he's a couple years older, and he had previous actors i'm pretty sure he had previous acting experience gotcha so he was a little more you know again i think more just used to what was going on
1: gotcha oh and also something i thought of like remember when we first started recording the podcasts and i thought that daniel radcliffe and company were all younger than 11 yeah i think it's more of a reflection of did jk rowling have kids when she wrote this
0: I don't think so. No? I don't think at the time she had kids.
1: Okay. So it's kind of like uh, she didn't really have a great grasp of what 11-year-olds were like. Because we said, what, 11-year-old is 5th grade, 6th grade?
0: Yeah. So, well, so, like, again, Hermione and Ron are 11 turning 12 during the first year, which is 6th grade, yeah. So sure. Harry's younger.
1: 11, 12. Like, I just remember, so 5th grade, 6th grade, being so much more dynamic- than the characters and I feel like intelligent like I feel like yes they used 11 year olds but they kind of act like a few years younger like second graders or third graders
0: in some case yeah I don't I don't know because I don't I mean we have a two year old so I don't I don't really know honestly at this point what a how old's Layla now Layla's 11 so she's gonna she's going into sixth grade
1: it's too bad we're in the middle of a pandemic and we can't do an interview
0: (laughs) <laughs> so see like what Layla she'd be like <laughs> but yeah no i I feel like Layla acts more mature than or just she, I mean she's also just yeah. a very smart girl so I think that she just
1: well you know would be interesting to look at too is when J k Rowling wrote this she has kids though right she does and kind of being able to look at when the movies were made and the books written compared to how old their kids were when she was writing the books
0: right yeah I don't know actually here let me look it up
1: yeah, sure. Just because it's common practice to misjudge children's intelligence.
0: Right. So she has... She's 55. Oh, she's 55. So she was like 35 when the books... When this movie came out. So she was in her probably like late 20s or like 30s when she wrote them. But she has three children. One of them is 27. One of them is 15. And one of them is 17.
1: So... That means, wait a minute, is our timeline mixed up as far as when she had kids? I think so. And like, do we know what her profession, like, I'm just wondering how much she was around kids and was able to know how they would act and think. Right. Either way, I just remember the thoughts that I used to have and the mischief I would get in in fifth and sixth grade and kind of level of intelligence or, you know, interest in girls or lack of interest in things.
0: Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, like in sixth grade, like there was a kid that I had a crush on, and you know I was definitely into boys by that point. And if it, it seems like the kids are, you know, not really quite there yet, which which I get, like maybe I was like as a twelve year old was eleven <laughs> year old was just more interested in that than my peers. I don't Feel like I, I don't know. I don't feel like I was.
1: And again, we've talked about maybe Harry he's maybe wise for his age or street smart but mm. again intelligence wise because like fifth grade was times tables you know you had to memorize your times tables up mm-hmm. to 12 and i don't know i just think it's interesting and i'm not sure if it's tracked appropriately what i mean by that is you know right. as far as what the kids are interested in and the level of conversations that they're having that's something hard for whatever reason it's something that i have a hard time not focusing on
0: right I don't so
1: know shall we dive into your
0: my uh, my notes (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean right off the bat like there's no kind of backstory with uncle vernon and the whole you know going into work and seeing all the people and different clothing and the owls and all this different stuff so we didn't get that i also thought that um which
1: was sorry to interrupt but isn't that the day of the year where they celebrate harry surviving Baltimore.
0: yeah because it's like the day after
1: oh it's the day it's the actual day after not right. the anniversary of the day
0: right right
1: okay because gotcha. if
0: I mean if it was the anniversary he would have already had Harry
1: true good point
0: I thought it was interesting I don't and we we, we <laughs> neither of us brought our books to I didn't bring a book down we didn't bring any books down but I didn't know in the well so in the movie Dumbledore apparently doesn't know that McGonagall's at the Dursley's house but I'm pretty sure he did know that in the book but I could be totally wrong. Hey y'all, editor Elise here to tell you that I didn't take a look in the Sorcerer's Stone book to see if Dumbledore was in fact surprised to see McGonagall there or not. And he was, he did not think that she was going to be at the Dursleys when he was gonna be dropping off Harry at their front step. So now we know, enjoy the rest of the show. I don't know. So, and then Dudley was supposed to go to the zoo with a friend, but instead he goes with Harry. Right. So, did you notice anything about the kids? Cu- so, when they go to the zoo, mm-hmm. the kids coming out of the reptile house. Did you notice anything about those children?
1: I did not, but I have a guess. I'm guessing, because if I'm playing it back, were they all wearing Slytherin outfits?
0: They were all wearing green, and it is supposed to be a symbolism about uh, Slytherin. Mm. Oh. So that was pretty. Well, I did watch
1: it. How many times? Three yeah. times. <laughs> no, twice. Just twice. Just twice.
0: So, yeah, I thought that the green outfits coming out of the reptile house was a cute little thing. And also just how Harry is clearly just so lonely that he's talking to a snake. You know what I mean? Like, asking him so many questions. I was like, this poor child is so deprived. Uh, and, and, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's surprising, like, for how much Harry is, like, at the Dursleys told not to talk, not to ask questions, basically to pretend he doesn't exist. That he's, like, a chatty Kathy with <laughs> a snake and, like, seems completely well-adjusted at school. Well-adjusted at school? Yeah, like, he's able to make friends, he's social, like...
1: Oh, you mean at Hogwarts? Right. Gotcha. Yeah, he also doesn't seem quite surprised enough about the snake
0: and the no. whole incident either. Yeah.
1: I thought that was... There's so many points... In the movie, I mean, you can't tell because you're reading a book. You don't see anything, except for what you imagine. But where you would just be freaking out because things are so insane in the moment. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, the, the, like, lack of shock for Harry. I mean, like, he's obviously shocked, like, when he goes to Diagon Alley and all these different places. But, like, not quite in the way that I feel is quite the right reaction for, like, you're a wizard. And you're going to, like, wizard stores and... (laughs) All these things, yeah,
1: you'd either need like therapy, medication, or you would just All go into life. shock,
0: yeah, right. Oh, but going back a little bit is when Hagrid comes in and everything. First off, Hagrid's cake, like, I think that you're so nailed he, it. You have a birthday this month, and I want to make you a Hagrid happy birthday cake. I would love that, <laughs> that'd be really cute. I would
1: love that, yeah. That's about how much attention I like on my birthday, it's about how much Harry gets on his. <laughs> <laughs>
0: none exactly. <laughs> he gets like, like a sock <laughs> i loved that i loved how like haggard is like i don't really know that. i mean i feel like he feels very attached to harry because he's the one that got him from his parents house after voldemort happened and you know and so when he comes back and it's harry's birthday and he makes him the cake and it's just very very sweet but while Hagrid and, and even harry are talking to aunt petunia and she's like saying how her sister's a freak and whatnot I love, we we both noticed this, like, Uncle Vernon's face of just, like, quiet agreement. Yeah, they definitely. Sort of, like, the scowling.
1: One of those ones where they chose the perfect character, the perfect actor to play the role. That was excellent. He was very good. Yeah, and again, you know, I don't know how much we're going to get into detail with all the changes. Yeah. Uh, You could go all day about it, all the subtle things. But one thing from the book and from the movie, though, that's always curious is, how did Hagrid get there in the first place? To the house. The Little House. I know,
0: they never really. He said that he flew in the book.
1: Flew in the book? Who knows? Who knows?
0: Who knows? Uncle Vernon says that he wasn't going to pay for some crackpot to teach Harry magic tricks. So that begged the question do the students pay to go to Hogwarts? Or do they just go? Or is it like wizard taxes and that's. <laughs> like they pay for.
1: It's Right, it's, is it public? Well, even public, like st- state schools, you still have to pay. Right. But yeah, no, I think it's a good question. Is it a lottery? But then when you say that about the paying, like, you know, we know that the Weasleys, they don't have a lot of money, but all of the kids go to Hogwarts. But maybe that's why they don't have a lot of money, because they believe in education.
0: Maybe they have scholarships.
1: Talking to my brother Adam the other day about, you know, you can always talk about, well, how much does Hogwarts... It's like, part of reading the book is you always need suspension of disbelief. Just remember, not only is it about magic but it's also just a book
0: right exactly jk
1: rowling hasn't created a fully comprehensive universe around the book there's just the books right you know what i mean
0: i feel like i like post books and even like just maybe maybe like during the books i'm sure she's i know that she's added stuff and tried to make the world more
1: comprehensive
0: yeah fleshed out and whatnot which is cool but it's at the end of the day it's a it's fiction (laughs) Yeah, exactly. you know? it's
1: it's fiction uh, it's fantasy fiction too yes so the things in the book don't exist in real life and the book's not real so right so sometimes you just need to let things go sorry yeah
0: yeah and the intro to Coral was different so that's why you know there was that confusion back a few episodes where i was like oh like he shakes his hand but it's because in the movie he does not shake harry's hand because he already has the turban on does
1: he? Wait, wait, does he shake his hand in the book? Oh. He does,
0: yes. Because I remember I I kind of brought that up in one of our previous episodes. I don't remember which one, but
1: but doesn't he? He doesn't have the turban. The...
0: No, he doesn't have the turban yet, because then when they go to school, Harry's like, oh, all of a sudden, Harry, you know, he he calls it a funny looking turban or something like that to about Quirrell. So between in the book between him meeting Quirrell and diagonally or the Leaky Cauldron, and school, Quirrell has been possessed by Voldemort. Gotcha. But in the movie, it's kind of like, that's the whole his whole storyline, is that he's been possessed by Voldemort. Oh, okay. Which, that seems like a pretty
1: intense process. It would have been nice to know how that went down. I
0: know, yeah. Especially because it's like, Voldemort's in the back of your head. You know? <laughs> like, how did that happen? I mean, we know that he needs a host basically, because he's not strong enough to live on his own, and... Yeah. Just kind of huh. crazy. But yeah, Probably that crazy. is... crazy.
1: That is... Right.
0: Also, I don't remember, in the
1: book, is the whole stuttering thing, is that just a facade?
0: They never really say. I mean, at the end, because yeah, like, in the end, when he's in front of the mirror with Harry after the challenges, he's not stuttering, and he kind of... I
1: feel like in the book they do the same thing, though. Yeah. But like you said, it's strange that in the book he is stuttering when he first meets Harry... So, right, who I, I guess you could just be a normal person and purposely have a stutter to kind of give people some sort of impression that you're, I don't know what. Like. F-
0: yeah, afraid or just a timid person. Yeah. Anything. There was no intro to Malfoy in the robe shop. No going back to the Dursleys after going to Diagon Alley. He just kind of like leaves there. So it's, it's almost like he is overnight with the Dursleys in that weird island like cabin thing um, in the ocean. And then they leave that night and then... the next day i guess they go to diagon alley and then that day he gets on the hogwarts express like that's a lot like less than 24 hours and this kid's off to hogwarts
1: yeah and again it's all about turning a book into a movie right and trying to make it seem seamless
0: right so that that felt a little again i never really realized before any time i've watched it that that was like so quick but after this is also the first time that i've really watch the movie right after finishing the book. So I think things are fresh.
1: And with a focus because you're you're watching it with kind of a purpose right. isn't the right word, but you have Fine something in mind comb. that you're trying to accomplish by watching it.
0: Right. I did love the candy scene. um, On the Hogwarts Express, where Ron and Harry are (laughs) having candy together.
1: And talking like six-year-olds.
0: Right, yeah.
1: I like the red trucks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that was funny and a cute interpretation or intro to Ron and Harry's little friendship.
1: Like, I'm sorry. I'm just jumping back, going back to the 11-year-olds not (laughs) acting. When I was in fifth and sixth grade, I had a friend whose name was Ben. And we used to skateboard in his basement while listening to Eminem. So, again, just trying to imagine Ron and Harry yeah. and Hermione listening to Eminem. Eminem, <laughs> yeah, like.
0: Well, and see, my childhood maybe was a little more similar. You on, you also had older brothers, much older brothers. Okay, and, that's that's fair. And I had a younger brother because my sixth grade self, you know, eleven, twelve year old self, was probably more similar to. Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Because in sixth, in like sixth grade, I was probably still playing Polly Pockets with Megan, <laughs> or like, you know. You know, we'd probably like be eating cookies or making a craft, you know, and sitting together and, well, and listening to the Dixie Chicks or something. Because I listened to country music at that time, no more. But
1: <laughs> and that's why I probably have more in common with Draco. He even looks yeah. like Eminem. Yeah, <laughs> What's Eminem's full name?
0: Marshall. Marshall Mathers.
1: Matt Mathers Mathers Marshall Marshall Mathers. M- Marshall Malfoy.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: So maybe, maybe that's a house difference too.
0: I yeah. don't know. But, but.
1: I, I, sorry if I if that gets old. Me going back to that. Just try. <laughs> you know, as I think about it, more of what I was doing that age. Yeah, it's funny.
0: It looked like when they got into the castle, so they you know they go across the boat. They they get off the Hogwarts Express, go on the boats, they go into Hogwarts, and it looked like at first that there were much many more students than are actually in each house because it's. From the sounds of it, like I know, there are five boys in that year—the first year for Gryffindor—and I think there are five girls. I don't know a hundred percent, but I'm pr- I'm pretty confident there are five girls. So I'm assuming that each house kind of gets like around five of each gender. You know, just the the boy-girl gender because there's so ten total. Yeah, so it'd be forty students, forty new students, and I feel like the crowd seemed maybe bigger. Nah, but.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what, though? I didn't even think about this. Maybe there's dropouts. Kids get expelled. You have yeah. to pass exams. It's kind of like in high school.
0: Who knows?
1: You know, depending on where you go to high school, the graduating class is definitely a little bit slimmer than when it started.
0: Yeah. We had 33 dropouts in my high school class.
1: I don't even know how many we had. Yeah. But, so, who knows? What to do with it.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I always, th- like... The, Harry's face after Dumbledore's third floor corridor, like don't go in there if you don't want to die a most horrible death and Harry's like, wait, what look like, is...
1: Which is different from face. the book because doesn't he laugh? He in the laughs. Book? at He's that in the, the only book. one laughing out loud. Well,
0: because they're already at the table, so Dumbledore decides to say this before the students are even sorted into their houses in the movie. But in the book, they've already been sorted and they're already sitting down at their tables, and he says this because Harry says it to Percy. He's like, "Wait, he's not serious, right?" <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But um, I liked his face. I thought it was perfect <laughs> for it was funny. Like, a perfect reaction of yes. just like wait. Excuse me, this is a school for children. Why is this a thing?
1: Well, it definitely uh, sets a precedent for, yep, this is how little Hogwarts cares about your little life.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. The rest of this book and the rest of this series. And then, so Harry has his scar hurting when they are about to be sorted. And in the movie, you can notice that he's looking at Snape, but quirl is turned around so technically voldemort's face is facing harry and that's why his scar hurts Mm. quick little yeah that was interesting there are a
1: couple a couple little things at least definitely picked up on that yeah i would not have picked up on
0: right at all (laughs) i'm so glad we didn't get the hogwarts song
1: (laughs) oh yes or any of the songs
0: Any songs.
1: But uh, what else you got? Because your notes are definitely helping me kind of remember parts of the movie. Because again, it's not that interesting if we just go through and talk about all the differences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course, there's going to be differences.
0: I was kind of bummed that, like, so we get the intro. Their first class that we really see for, you know, the trio is Transfiguration. So they, Harry and Ron are late to the Transfiguration class. Um, Hermione's already there because they're not quite friends yet. And I thought it was interesting. They didn't really flesh out McGonagall's class more. It was just kind of like her scolding them. And then that was it for the class. And I would have thought that it would be nice to have a little more to that class. Because then we get like a whole thing for potions. We get a whole thing for charms. You know, like, I feel like there are other classes that we get a little more insight into. Although I don't, we don't get it for herbology. I feel like it's interesting.
1: Yeah, it seems like they're much more focused on developing the relationships in the movie. Yeah. But even then, there's some things that they missed, like Ron sticking up for Harry more often, mm-hmm. or the fist fight at the Quidditch game, right? Right. Well, I, right. I don't remember when that happens in the book.
0: That's after Halloween, because the first Quidditch game is after Halloween.
1: Gotcha. But I mean, like, that's a big deal. Ron sticks up for Harry. Yeah. And what is he? He gives Draco a mouth... Uh, black, a black eye, eye or bloody something nose or like something. that. And Neville too. Neville's not really included in the group and in the books. No. He's definitely a bigger part of the relationship. Right. You know what I mean? But in the movie he's just kind of this uh, little wimp that everybody feels bad for and just gets or in Pixar. the way. Yeah, which is I mean, that's that's standard Neville, I guess. Even in the mo- not only in the story, but in the movie he's cut out even more. Yeah. Lucky for him, though, he lands in the back of his head instead of his face. I know. When he's petrified. When he's petrified. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know. Poor Neville. Oh, so instead of the Midnight Duel, we don't get the Midnight Duel scene from the book. And instead, it's just that the trio, so it, it was, wasn't the Midnight Duel, the Midnight Duel included Neville. Because Neville got locked out of the oh yeah dorm room, or the, you know, the Gryffindor common room. And just kind of, like, followed the trio. Because Hermione was telling them not to go. So she was just kind of, like, going to tell them not to go. And um, so it was supposed to be four of them. But instead, in the movie, they do just, like, the staircases move. And all of a sudden, they're on the third floor corridor and running away from Filch. That's when they find the three-headed dog. And Fluffy.
1: I don't even remember. I may have uh, been focusing really hard with my eyes closed. (laughs) the first time we watched it through and i don't remember what happens when they first see fluffy in the movie
0: they walk in and harry is the first one to see the dog and then ron hermione are kind of quibbling back and forth and then they all see the dog the dog wakes up looks at them and starts barking and they scream and then they run out and the dogs try to get out but okay They close the door. Also, the door for the for the three, you know, for Fluffy is like this little latch thing that it's like looking at you Like those dogs would definitely break that door down. Like was the dog chained up? Was the dog chained up? No. Oh, maybe the dog is chained up. That could be, yeah.
1: But yeah, it's it's. I understand taking liberties when making a movie, like off some of the details. But it is kind of strange that they would, you know change some of the relationship dynamics again i think neville deserved to be a stronger presence in the friend group right in the movie yeah i don't know
0: yeah and and like watching the movie back and again just kind of looking at it with a keener eye i was surprised that there really wasn't much of malfoy there was very little of malfoy where i feel like he was maybe a bigger part of the story in the (gasps) book
1: yeah, and also, I don't know, we'll see in the rest of the movies, but yeah, I just kind of wish there was more Slytherin involved, too.
0: Yeah, because you don't really get too much of an idea of, like, why there's this big rivalry.
1: Or even just kind of what they're like, because there's, all you ever get are the stereotypes for right. Slytherin. But it's a school, they allow the house for a reason, yeah. and it's respected. I also wanted to see the dungeon, too.
0: Well, and also, like, you really don't get anything about Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. Like, no. at all. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, one of the funny things I noticed was, like, on Halloween, so we're backtracking to back to, like, kind of point by point, but in Halloween, they just had candy all over the tables, and I was like, did they just have candy for dinner? <laughs> Is that a good idea? I
1: think it's a British thing.
0: I don't know, but...
1: I uh, think the British, like, eat more sweets per person than yeah. anywhere else in the world or something, so who knows? Maybe, who knows? maybe it was dessert. Then again. Uh, Americans, we, we also go trick-or-treating and fill up garbage bags with candy. <laughs> and I remember being younger, eating most of it
0: that night. Oh my gosh. I was not allowed to do that because my mom is a health nut. So we could have a few pieces of candy, like a few more pieces yeah. than me. <laughs> <laughs> but also when Quirrell goes into the Great Hall with the tr- the whole troll thing, I know that he's the one that put the troll in the dungeon, but like in the book, he just kind of runs up and whispers it apparently to Dumbledore. And somehow all the kids here. But I do like how in the movie they just went for like, no, there's a troll in the dungeon. You run in there and yell that there's a troll in the dungeon, then pass out. That's a much more like appropriate, I feel like, reaction to a troll being in the dungeon. Also, the, he's he's then searching for the troll with them. Like he passed out, <laughs> but they're like, hey, we need you. Come on, <laughs>
1: magic, right? They snapped him out of it.
0: Yeah, I did like the troll scene. I think the troll scene was pretty good pretty
1: accurate well you know me accurate
0: Uh, for what it what it is
1: (laughs) just as a person anytime there's something my reflex is to ask questions and get more information so it's hard you know you see a troll it's wearing clothes it has a weapon so now i'm curious about troll culture (laughs) but we're just i'm just gonna have to be dissatisfied oh they skipped the troll room at the end too we did even think they about did.
0: that. They did, yeah. Totally we, forgot about we that. We realized
1: they forgot the whole potion quiz that Hermione nails, but yeah. they completely left out the troll room as well. Mm hmm. Just thought of that.
0: Right. After that, and Harry getting on the Quidditch team and everything, he in the book, he's told not to open his broom at the table, and he just, in the movie, just goes for it. There's no note or anything.
1: Yeah, none of the other students notice this thing happening. In the middle of the great hall or whatever it's called
0: yeah yeah he just opens a broomstick on the table casually
1: speaking of opening gifts uh is it okay if we talk a little bit about the cloak of invisibility sure one thing that i noticed too in the movie and i don't remember if this is the case in the book but the fact that when Harry's inside the cloak he can see through it and i'm just wondering you know just because the cloak is invisible doesn't necessarily mean that when you're inside the cloak you can see through it or is it kind of one of those things where like well you get to be invisible but you can't see through the cloak when you're inside it
0: mm-hmm. well maybe there are different kinds of cloaks where like some of them you can see through some of them you can't see through and you know like some, some of them you might not be able to have as much access to things as harry's allows yeah. you know i mean like because, because he can see through it like he's able to you know sneak around the castle and everything but if he had one where he couldn't see it'd be much more difficult to do some of the things that he does in the book. In the and, movie.
1: and that's what I, and I'm just wondering how the book portrays it. But it's just one of those things where magical objects or whatever, they're not necessarily everything that we want them to be. Mm-hmm. Kind of like with science, some things are possible. But it's usually not exactly what we're looking for.
0: Yeah, and, and again, I think you know, we don't really get much insight into other invisibility cloaks and what they... Look like what they do, what their properties are. We just really get Harry's. There are other invisibility cloaks, but I know, um, you know, we I think we start we we do start to learn more about his invisibility cloak in later books. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't. I don't think we ever really get much insight into other kinds of invisibility cloaks. And again, if they have different sorts of properties to them that allow them to be see through or yeah.
1: opaque, because when he opens the cloak,
0: in can the movie see
1: at least and yeah you can't see through it it's not like a sheer that would make sense to me right if you open it up and i think in the book they do they say it's like a silvery
0: yeah well and even like in the movie when he opens it at christmas it's like it almost looks like a totally different material than like when he's in the invisibility cloak um right you know like the the material looks like kind of a thicker more velvet looks like yeah it almost looks like velvet yeah But in the, when he's in it, and you're kind of, like, getting that view from the camera, it almost looks like he's in, like, a nylon, like, Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So maybe, maybe that just would have been a, I might, and I wish I, again, we're silly, we forgot the books, but. So silly. I wish I remember how it was described when he takes it out. But now I kind of want to imagine, like, a super light Sheer cloak that would kind of make more sense.
0: Like I almost think of it as being like silk, you know, like a silk material that you can see through.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know.
0: Hey, all. Editor Elise here, just looking into the books. On page two hundred one of *Sorcerer's Stone*, it says that the invisibility cloak was something fluid and silvery gray that went slithering up to the floor, where it lay in gleaming folds. And Ron says that he's heard about these and Harry picks up the shining silvery cloth off of the floor. It was strange to the touch, like water woven into material. So it seems like it was probably some sort of silky material that the invisibility cloak was made out of. Um, But you can continue to listen to Aaron and I ramble about this for a little while longer.
1: But I just thought it was interesting. I mean, I would still love to have a cloak that may be invisible, and I couldn't see through it when I was inside it. That'd be. I mean, you could always just like poke little tiny holes where your eyes are. Nobody's gonna see your pupils.
0: You could get one of those <laughs> like what is it that Paddington has? A um, uh, periscope. Where, yeah, a little periscope for your invisibility cloak. So then people just see like nothing but a periscope and maybe like two little hands or something.
1: Or like what if, I'm trying to think of what else you could like. For your eyes something that you could paint over your eyes so nobody really noticed like little flies or something Ew. So just like little <laughs> flies floating around i don't know
0: butterflies saucers
1: so looks. again i might go back into the book and try and figure out you know when you cast a spell or use magic it always takes up some sort of resource like a wizard has a certain amount of energy he can expend or she can expend towards magic And also it has to use up some sort of resource. Like, there's cool spells where you can turn a drop of water into a gallon of water. Mm -hmm. But you need a water, you know. Water Or, or I guess, so spells have material requirements. Right. So it's not like it's free. Like, the magic just comes out of nowhere. Really long way of answering your question. As far as an invisibility cloak, um, you would have to make up the rules.
0: Well, and, too, another thing to keep in mind is, like, It is a children's book, you know? So I think J.K. Rowling for a kid, you know, wouldn't really necessarily go into the properties of an invisibility cloak, other than the fact that it makes you invisible. And like thinking about for a kid, would it be cooler to have an invisibility cloak that you can see through or not, (laughs) you know? So I think that being fleshed out maybe could have been done in a book for older, for like an adult or even like a teenager, in a way but I think for kids it's like invisibility cloak I'll take it for five you know like I'll take that one for five yeah I,
1: well, I even think that just even as an adult you just don't necessarily think about that detail you just think yeah. like, I'm invisible and it's like yes you are invisible but can you see it? you know what I mean yeah um I'm trying to think of another example but I kind of just like that idea of like you're invisible but the cost is you can't see yeah It'd you know be interesting we can move on from that, but I will do my research.
0: Well, should we pause here and then do another episode? Probably a good idea, yeah. Yeah. Sorry so, folks. <laughs> we're going to
1: we're going to take a uh, halftime break or yeah. intermission here. Mm-hmm. It seems like watching the movie has given us a lot more to cover. I mean, also, you know, we did the whole book in what? 5 sections? 6 6 sections and we're you know, we're going to do the movie in two. So yeah. it makes sense. But um, hope, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, just so it's, it's funny because we weren't originally planning on having multiple episodes for the movie, but I think it just, it does kind of just make sense to have, you know, because we're covering so much more material um, to have multiple episodes for it. And this will probably happen again for the next movies that we watch as well. But this episode will come out on look at a calendar. August 18th. And then the next episode, the part two kind of of the movie review, uh, I think we're we're planning on that coming out on a Friday. So that would be the 21st of August. So this episode will come out August 18th. You're already listening. So in the year in the future, you know what's going on. (laughs) You're already listening to this episode on the 18th. I was
1: thinking it, but I wasn't (laughs) going to say anything.
0: But so for part two of our movie review instead of having to wait a whole week you just get to wait until friday the 21st yeah we will we will speak into your ears then
1: yeah and you know again this whole this first book the first movie uh a lot of firsts here and personally i would love to hear your opinions on you know, what do you like about the movie review after reading the book? Like, do you like hearing about the differences from the book and the movie? Or is that something that you feel you could just look up, I don't know, on mm. Potterpedia? Matt. <laughs> um, Buzzfeed. <laughs> whatever. Or do you like talking about kind of what makes the movie unique? Or I don't know. It's just, it's just hard because mm. it's not a movie review. It's hard to get out of that headspace that we're reviewing a movie. We're right. not. Yeah, that's true. We're, we're doing a project together where we're reading the books and we're reading the movies. We're
0: kind of, we're comparing. We're giving our our thoughts and takes on, on the two. Yeah. And obviously there are differences, so it's, you know, we, we're bringing up those differences. And, and
1: maybe even something that you don't typically do is try and figure out how they enhance each other. Yeah. Because, for example, in the movie, you know, they do a lot more to make a little more exciting yeah so now when i read the book (laughs) i can think about what happens in the movie and enjoy it a little more right and stuff in the movie that's not really fleshed out you can think about how it goes you know what i mean and your in your brain can now use the book to support where the movie lacks and vice versa right well thank you for listening to part one of episode
0: (laughs) thank you for listening to episode seven and next week, or Friday's yeah. episode will be episode 8.
1: Part 1 of episode... Oh, yeah. Well, should we do That's part it. 1 of episode 7 and part 2 of episode 7? No, I think be... we should
0: just do 7 and 8. I think that makes the most sense in terms of, like, how I put it into okay Anchor. Sure.
1: Episode 7, which is part 1 of the movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, make sure the title is clear.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh... I... I'm going to
0: put it as like "Sorcerer Stone movie recap instead of review.
1: That's, that's a good idea. Yeah. So thank you for listening and stay tuned. We'll be back on Friday.
0: Yeah. But really, <laughs> it's like a minute for us, <laughs> a minute <laughs> for us, a few days for you. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Take care. Warmest regards.